0: Um, the last spiritual attitude that we we would look at, uh, but for those of us that are just joining us today, but also um, are kind of like me and with your memory bank and we keep forgetting, um, I keep coming back to where we started. And then we always take this overview uh, look of things where we have to remind our souls what we are as a church and what we are, what God is doing through us as a church and what kind of church. Um, God desires to see on earth and what kind of church we are um, uh, we are essentially uh, becoming, if you will. And the, the first uh, area of our conversation was the skeleton of, of the church being the non-negotiable truths that we will not negotiate on, being the high view of God, that God will be our primary focus of life and worship, the absolute authority. Authority and sufficiency. I keep forgetting to add that on every week, um, but I, I won't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, she reminded me. She texted me the day that day. and I said, remind me the day of, and I'm like, I don't get back to it until the next week. And then like we text throughout the week. And then so it got buried there. That's besides the point, man. You get, move on. But the absolute authority um, and sufficiency of Scripture defines us that what we believe and how we live it out will be in submission to the final authority and the sufficient authority um, to Scripture. Nothing but Scripture would rule our lives and in, in our, in our faith and, and life as well. So to that end, we also will not negotiate on sound doctrine to the point that we will strive to teach what the Bible teaches, whether or not we like it. Whether or not it's popular to culture or not popular, we will strive to teach what the Bible teaches without compromise. And as we do so, then Word of God will conform our lives and we will be really, really ser- serious about our personal holiness. It's not just talking about the Word of God being um, the authority and the sufficiency, uh, the sufficiency of the Word of God, but our thoughts, our motivation, our speech, will be holy as God is holy. Um, And so that spiritual authority then falls underneath. It will be done under the context of the local church as the Lord Jesus gives that authority to the local church in the office um, of elder and and pastor and deacons and all those church polity wise. That spiritual authority will be committed to being held accountable um, and as much as it is biblical uh, to the church and its ministers, so that's that's the general skeleton um, overview of what we will not negotiate on, not that we will negotiate on the rest of these, but what gives that vitality, what gives us life what are the internal systems or um, uh, that that give that bring about some kind of um, Uh, Spiritual attitudes is what we've been looking at is obedience, um, humility, love, unity, those things that you see listed out there, a willingness to serve, we'll be self-disciplined, we'll uh, we'll have the spiritual attitude of accountability, dependence on God and God alone, the desire for growth like we saw last time that we were together, looking more like Christ who is the head and the bridegroom of our church in order to be identified by His presence and by His growing image. So being committed to those things, um, we've seen that over the past 11 weeks, Um, not consistently, but uh, this is week 11 or session 11, where we'll finish out this spiritual attitudes um, that we have been looking at, um, comprehensively giving us what our church would, would feel like, right? So the church that, that God is building here would, would have these spiritual attitudes that, that we would be so committed and invested and we'd be striving to cultivate and embrace this attitudes that when somebody comes and, and, and becomes a part of the Remnant Bible Church, these are the different attitudes that they would naturally feel. As the Lord allows us to to as as He works them in us and through us, right? That's that's really what we're trying to get to. Is is like, oh yeah, the Remnant Bible Church. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel that attitude of love. Oh, there was, there's there's a willingness to serve there. You know, there's a willingness to grow. By the way, kudos to you. Actually, that's exactly what Kobe said last week. I can read you. I can show you the text later. But he's just like you know. This is so encouraging. They're so willing to grow. Like, I'm like, if only you knew what we just talked about the week before. I I was praising God. Like, like it, it really is visible is what I'm saying. Like, what we talk about, the Lord is really working it out in us. And it's really exciting to see. And I hope you see it. I hope you sense it. I hope you feel it like the willingness to serve, the love and the unity and all those things that we've been talking about. We're not just talking about them in vain. The Lord is not just giving us His Word and His insight so that we can just like do the thing and then just go. But it's actually bearing fruit. And people that are coming from outside can actually see it and sense it. And it's really exciting like to be at the start of something like this and then, seeing the Lord growing us like this, it's really exciting. Amen, thank you. I got one amen. It really is exciting. So how do we keep this going how 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 what what needs to happen like do we just get excited like this in the beginning and then kind of like stray away? No, we don't because we will cultivate. And we will embrace the spiritual attitude of faithfulness, which we will see today. Because faithfulness is being trustworthy. And that is, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is an essential spiritual attitude to, to, to have. Generally, the spiritual life uh, or the Christian life, uh, speaking individually and as a church, generally, it's a long journey. It is a life. That's what it is. It's 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 life, right? And, and for for most of us that are that have been alive for at least a few decades, right? At least two decades for most of us. Some of us a little longer than that, right? There's there's a time lapse in between, is what I'm saying. Like our lives are not like a really short period of time. I mean, in light of eternity, it is. You might argue with me there. But I'm I'm talking about, like, humanly speaking, life is lived over a period of a long life, generally. And the same thing is true for the Christian life. In other words, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. But most people, as, as you know, live their Christian lives as what, um, Dr. MacArthur calls as spiritual sprinters, especially in a in the, in the, in a sense of like the church or the local body, that they would they they would do the things that are required. They 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 live a life that that they just go sprint and then they run out of energy and then they stop. But the life to which we are called requires a level of endurance. How many times do we see the scriptures telling us endure, endurance, perseverance, endurance, perseverance to believers? This is is what is called. This is given. These things are told to believers. So that is a necessary spiritual attitude, a faithfulness that we don't necessarily see in the life of the church or in our lives. You know, people get plugged in, they get involved, they serve, and then they run out of energy, and then they quit. Or go into this spiritual retirement. And I'm done, that's it, I'm out. You know, the priority to worship, to serve, to pray, to read your Bible, to, to participate in what God is doing becomes seasonal at best. Like I'm in a good season of my life, then I'm going to get plugged in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to pray, I'm going to serve, I'm going to worship, I'm going to attend, and everything else, I'm going to read my Bible, and then I I run out of energy, and then, like, then I become inconsistent and all of those things faithfulness however is seen in consistency over a period of time when our lives when our lives are presented in a way that for some of us might even be familiar in the last 24 hours right when a eulogy when your eulogy is read or your obituary is read and people eulogize you at the end of your life. That's when you see the consistency, a consistent pattern of your life, whether it's faithful to the Lord or whether it's not. And we can kind of see it in our lives, but even, before we, even before we're dead in a casket and somebody's saying some things about us. In fact, this kind of faithfulness is a requirement. From God's word, look at what First Corinthians chapter four, verse two says. Moreover, Paul says, "It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. It is required that they be found faithful. I mean, it doesn't get. I mean." I can I can go into the Greek. Well, I can't, but but even if I wanted to go into the Greek. Required means required. When something is required, what do you do? You do the thing that's required. Like it's it's not optional, is what I'm getting at. So faithfulness is not an optional spiritual attitude in the life of a believer. Just to give you context, if you turn, to, uh, if you turn there and, and, uh, or you can just listen to, to, to me read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, which verse 2 actually falls under. This is what, how Paul starts this. This is how one should regard us, talking about himself and those who serve the church as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Then he says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Then each of us, each one of us will receive his commendation from God. So when we think of the reason I read all of it is, is I want us to think of faithfulness in, in that context. One, in the context of the church, we are servants and we are stewards. And a steward is somebody that that doesn't own the, the place or the thing, but takes care of the thing and actually gets to reap the benefits of the thing without even owning it. Right? He doesn't own it. He's not the owner. He gets to manage whatever it is that is given to him. And he gets the benefit from the thing that is given to him. And that person is you and I when it comes to eternal life. We don't own our lives. Even even the church and the church context, we don't necessarily own the church. Not necessarily. We don't own the church at all, period. I'm using the word necessarily. I'm kind of seeing a pattern here. But we don't own the church. The church belongs to Christ. So we are stewards of the church. We are stewards of our life. And our life belongs to Jesus. Our life belongs to God. And the church belongs to Christ. And we are called to be stewards. And the stewards are required to be faithful, trustworthy. So if we consider ourselves as stewards to this life God has given us in Christ... We are to be found faithful in light of the judgment of other humans right that's what he says in light he says this in light of hey by the way who are you to judge me is what Paul is saying here so if somebody from outside is looking at you would you would they see you being faithful not that that matters Not that that's the only thing that matters, or that's the main and primary thing that matters, because ultimately, God is the one who judges us. But even to your conscience, in light of that faithfulness, even to your conscience, when you look at yourself and you take your own self-assessment and saying, how faithful am I being to what God has given me as a steward? like can you with clear conscience not that it quits you if you if you come to the conclusion you say yeah i'm being faithful not that that's actually the ultimate acquittal of of your state but thinking of it from that perspective so when the when the world outside sees your life would that re, uh, reflect a faithful would you, a, a faithful lifestyle to the, to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you actually do a self-assessment, which I encourage all of us to do, which which we're commanded to do, in fact, where is our faithfulness? Are we running the race faithfully? But ultimately, the Lord will judge. And he will give to each one of us the commendation that we deserve based on the faithfulness as stewards. Notice that this kind of faithfulness is not dependent on our feelings or our emotions. It's actually produced by the Spirit. In fact, faithfulness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. One of the seeds, if you will, that's what I like to call it, one of the seeds inside the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. We see that in. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, you guys know this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. What's missing? Self-control. There you go. There's a song for it. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Sunday school song. Yeah. see, I I missed out on that. But faithfulness is one of those things that is produced by the spirit in us so our faithfulness is not something that we work out our faithfulness is not something that we're dependent whether or not we 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 feel happy about what we're doing or or we're we're down in 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 our emotions or anything like that it's not about our feelings or emotions it's about what the lord himself produces in us that consistency is not up to our our zeal even So this faithfulness that we're talking about is produced by the Spirit. And this faithfulness is linked with our growing knowledge and love of the one whom we serve. In other words, we are as faithful as our view of God. Do how do we see God? Our knowledge of God and our view of God. Are we if if we see him as the beginner and the finisher of our faith? If we live as if if we if we see him as as the as as our heavenly father, but also our our Lord, then we can be his under his servants. Right. That's what we consider ourselves as servants. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is how one should regard us, a servant of Christ. So if, if we regard ourselves as servants of Christ, who is he to us? That's interactive. You can, you can say something back. It's Okay. He's the master. Most, most times we, we tend to see Christ as the Savior, which uh, he is. Right. I actually just had a conversation not too long ago uh, in Fundamentals class. Um, in one of their daily reading, one of the, one of the guys said, oh yeah, um, it really stuck out to me when G- Jesus said that he came to, to this world not to be served, but to serve. Like, great. But does that mean, I asked that follow-up question, does that mean that we don't need to serve him? And by the grace of God, they had the right understanding of that. It's like, yeah, no, he came to serve to save us, but that doesn't mean that we don't get to serve him, that he's not Lord and Savior. So our view of who Christ is determines how faithful we would be. How consistent we would be. And we're going to be as faithful as our view of the Lord. For that, I want us to, as an illustration of that, one, the importance of faithfulness, but also how our view of God determines how faithful we would be. Turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter twenty-five. It's a relatively longer passage, so I don't have it up there for you. But I want to—I want us to—to to look at this parable of the talents, which is a familiar passage. I want us to work through the passage verse by verse and really see what what Jesus is teaching here about faithfulness. Now just to give you context, and um, Jesus is given a, a parable of the kingdom of heaven so that people would, be, would remain faithful. And this comes in the, on the back, on, uh, on the heels of another parable about the ten virgins who some of them were sprinters, spiritual sprinters. They were waiting for the bridegroom and they used up all their oil and then they fell asleep. And when the bridegroom came, they they couldn't find their way because they they had gone into spiritual retirement. So faithfulness, this is about faithfulness in the kingdom of God. So chapter 25, verse 14 starts off by saying, For it would be like a man going on on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability what a gracious god we serve he doesn't give us anything that we cannot bear even as a gift even as a talent even as something that to, to manage like god is not going to give you a stewardship over something that you he knows that you're unable to do that is even such a gracious gift let's move on then he went away he who had received five talents went At once, and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, who had two talents, made two talents more. But one who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after, what does it say? After a long time, right? Not after a very short time. It wasn't the next day, it wasn't the next week, it was a long time. The master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, what does he call him? You delivered to me five talents, here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. His master, um, and I lost my, um, you have been faithful over little, right? I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, What does he call him? Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been productive. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward. Everybody's settling accounts. Saying, master, listen to what he says. I knew you to be a hard man. reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you, you, had, you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, to, I went and hid your talent in the ground here. You have what is yours. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered what has kind of no seed. You, You knew that? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from every, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast out, and, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where it will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice. The word that is repeated over and over and over again for the two servants. Faithful, faithful, faithful. What God is really after is not necessarily us being fruitful. It's not he he doesn't say, Oh, you made me five more. Great, you 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 are really good at like making more, right? That's that's the fruit, uh, being fruitful. They were productive. He wasn't commending their productivity. He was commending their faithfulness. Because what God entrusts to us, if we are faithful, we will be fruitful if we embrace and strive to to, to actually have this spiritual attitude of faithfulness, it is almost a guarantee that we will become fruitful. But if we are slothful, then if we are unfaithful, Opposite of faithful is unfaithful, which is here translated as slothful. Then, a best case scenario is just to just sit on what we have, which will inevitably be taken away from us, anyways. So, what God wants from His people, from those who are in His kingdom, and from His church, which is the outpost of His kingdom on this earth, is faithfulness. Hence, the importance of developing and cultivating and and embracing the spiritual attitude of faithfulness as we begin. We want to be a faithful church. Secondly, notice what they refer, these servants, how they refer to the one who has given them the talents and their knowledge of Him, and, how, and their view of Him. They all acknowledge Him as Master, but the other one says, "Ah, well, He has a skewed understanding, and an accurate attitude towards who the Master is. And that's why the view, our view of God, the high view of God, is the number one thing that's on your handout page, right? If you have a high view of God, an accurate view of God, everything else falls into place. If you don't have, if we don't have as a church the right perspective, the right view of God, then we will, like this wicked and slothful servant, cannot remain faithful. Because we will be as faithful as our view of God. If we see God and know God, what He expects in the right way as Scripture reveals Him to us, then we can be faithful. Then we, we, we stand a chance of being faithful, if you will. And the last um, observation that I want us to make is, is that faithfulness comes as a long-term commitment. Notice that the master, the man who was going on the journey, after he gives them, he entrusted them with his property according to their ability, he is gone for a long time in verse 19. So this long-term commitment, which is counter-cultural, honestly, especially in our day especially in the context of the church it's 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 really countercultural we want to be a part of a church as long as we feel good about that church and as soon as we don't feel good about that church i mean let's go find another church you guys notice that kind of trend by the way like it's 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 almost the church has become like a corporation or like a store like commercialized and then the people that are supposed to make up the church or the people that attend the church or the people that go to church are kind of like customers so those of us who are in a position of service or those of us who who or, or leadership if i if i may even call that word using that word very loosely then use our position to strategize and market our church in a way that that is attractive to the customer and then make sure that the customer is always right so you know we got we we adopt that 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 strategy of the customer is always right and we got to make the customer happy at all times so i got to i got to crank out sermons that make you happy Because if I, if God forbid, I, I crank out a sermon that, that that doesn't make you happy, then the customer walks away, or maybe even they might even complain on Yelp or something and give me a bad review. Now, we don't want that. Or they just take their family, take their giving, take their gifts, and they take everything and go to the next church and do the same thing, and then that cycle repeats and it repeats and it repeats and repeats. I mean, long-term commitment is not fashionable these days. You know, I've heard somebody say, stop dating the church and marry it. Because right? <laughs> that's what we do. We go on perpetual dates with churches and never settle down in one place and light of the church. But that, that even reflects in our personal commitment to the Lord. We're only as committed to Him as much as we feel or we, we get the benefit from Him. That's not a faithfulness, a, fa- a faithful attitude. Faithfulness is a long-term spiritual commitment. It's a personal commitment to love God with your devotion to the means of grace, to the common means of grace for a long period of time, not just, not just for a little bit. I mean, the average age, by the way, long, long, long-term commitments, I, I forget the, the number now. Um, I wish I would have written it down. But, I mean, what is the longest in human terms? What's the long-term commitment that you can think of? Got a good student here, right? Um. Yeah, or buying a house. There's another one. There's a thirty. Year, there's a thirty-year commitment. Ownership of houses or homeowner, uh, homeownership or home ownership, or that's gone down over the years. I mean, I sometimes talk to people when I give them Uber rides and whatever, and and they're like, oh yeah, like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from all over, because they've been transient. They've they've been going from place to place to place to place to place. When I was growing up around here, by the way, it used to be a suburb, and people were born here, raised here, kind of have their family rooted here, but, you know, the DMV has, has become so transient over the years, especially in the last... It's like, it's a cycle of people coming in. I mean, on average, out of 10 people I talk to, about six or seven of them are not from here. Not saying being transient is bad, but it's like, if you're transient, you're not going to buy a house somewhere that you're going to live in and raise your family in for 30 years. You're just going to keep renting. And you're definitely not going to get married because when you get married, you can't just keep just Just take everything with you because then you have to talk to your wife and your wife has to say yes or your husband has to say yes. And then you kind of have to go there. And the age for marriage is also like people used to get married in the mid-20s, in their mid-20s, maybe a few decades ago. I mean, that age is now we're talking like at least by a decade as, as and the marriage rates are down. Singleness is up. People are still dating and talking or whatever the, the trendy word is today for that. Right? But nobody wants to be in a long-term commitment, but faithfulness, because it requires faithfulness. It requires endurance. It requires sacrifice. It, it requires a level of commitment. And that's what we bring when we, when we talk about commitment and, and uh, when we talk about faithfulness, we're talking about that kind of commitment. A commitment to take what God gives us and invest it for His glory and for the benefit of His people. A commitment to Christ and His bride. Most of us would claim that we are committed to Christ, but will not be committed to His bride. It's a commitment that li- that lasts a lifetime, not a season. It's a commitment that is produced ultimately by the Holy Spirit, not by personal ambition. Like, Don't take this sermon or this conversation or this session that, that we're having right now as a motivational speech because uh, we can, there is a way, I mean, if, if the Spirit really truly applies this to, to your life, which I'm praying, and, uh, and this, is, this is my prayer and my, my hope in the Lord and, and even uh, my confidence even, then if, if that happens, great. But if you take this and you're like, oh, I heard this message today and I, I really need to, and then it's like something that we, we do out of personal ambition or personal zeal, then you, we're not even cultivating the right kind of faithfulness. The right kind of commitment. Don't commit because I I just browbeat you or, 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 or like convinced you or motivated you by my little soliloquy that I'm having right now. The commitment is produced by the truth of God's word and by the power of the spirit, not personal ambition. And this kind of commitment will be rewarded. That's amazing. I I mean, most people would, would, like the first few times I I was going over this passage, I I looked over it. And I'm like, it's right there. How can you miss it? That you get so caught up in in like, like, you know, criticizing the, 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 the guy that went and buried it and then try to relate with, oh, yeah, if God gave me five, I probably would have done five more. If God gave me two, I would have probably done, no, I probably would have done this. Like, you get so caught up, you forget that this kind of faithfulness is rewarded, guys. It will be rewarded by grace in this world and glory in the life to come. This is a promise. Faithfulness has a promised reward for us. We're not just saying be faithful for the sake of being faithful. Be committed to, so for, the, for the sake of being committed in and of itself. Commitment and faithfulness has built in it a reward by grace. I mean, I, there was a testimony this, this Friday where, where somebody said, the more that you're committed to the common means of grace, the more you're rewarded by joy and the fruit of the Spirit. I won't say who it is. You know who you are if you are here. Like, think of your week that you felt so committed to the Lord and how life almost became like it was so simple and so easy that you were, you were praying hard that week, you were reading your Bible, you were depending on the Lord, you were really doing that in a, in a week, and then you kind of look back at, at your week, you're like, yo, like I wasn't really stressed out the way that I, I was. And then the opposite is true, right? <laughs> you, see, you see it in contrast to the opposite of when you're not praying well, you're not, you're not committed to your common means of grace, and then you see life is really, really hard for a Christian. You know, the struggle is real, you would say. You look back at your week. Because faithfulness is rewarded, guys. It's rewarded by grace here. We're not even looking at, I mean, it's rewarded in heaven too. That's glory. That's that's there for us. But, you know, we also live in a time and a day where uh, everything has to come now. Instant gratification now. Like if I don't see the results now. Guys, you we can see the result now. Because God supplies the grace to those who are faithful to Him. Even in this life. It's that kind of commitment. That we were seeking to cultivate as a church. So there you have it. Our common confession, if you will, is that we as a church, the Remnant Bible Church... Will embrace and pursue an attitude of faithfulness that is demonstrated by our long term and consistent commitment to honoring Christ and serving His church and all we are, all we do, and by whatever we have. So we're going to be faithful with our person, with our actions, and even with our possessions. And gifts. That's our common confession. That's the kind of spiritual attitude that we want to to build and cultivate.